Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. The following podcast is part 7 in the series, The Armour of God. This is the evening session of Wednesday the 5th of August 2009, and the Bible reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 to 18. Here's Pastor Russ Iveson. I am thankful for the opportunity to be with you, and uh, it's indeed been a blessing to me to be here. Uh, I did get an email this morning, and uh, Brother Curtis asked me to dispel any rumors that he fell off the edge of the Grand Canyon and disappeared. Uh, he, uh, he says that uh, this coming Sunday he will be preaching in their home church. And uh, he specifically asked me to ask you to uh, be uh, in prayer because uh, it appears that a goodly number of lost family have said they would be there. And, uh, and he asked that we pray that their hearts would be touched. And uh, also uh, that uh, he asked me, I, I quote him directly, please give our love to all of the church and assure them of how much they are missed. And uh, so uh, he uh, <coughs> sends his regards. In uh, Ephesians chapter 6, Father, I pray that you would go before us this night, that you would bear our hearts, I thank you, Father, for your word, the preciousness of it, what it has for us. And I thank you, Father, that uh, that the, those of us who have the, the blessing of being in a personal relationship with the true and the living God are indwelt by the author, and he and apply it to our hearts and our lives and produce the fruit that is pleasing in thy sight. Father, I pray that you'd bless our time tonight. I pray that Christ be exalted. And Father, we do indeed pray for uh, uh, Brother Curtis on this coming Sunday, Lord, that uh, he would see the joy of family members coming to Christ. And uh, we pray that you'd empower him and use him in a great and a wonderful and a mighty way. And Father, we pray you'd be pleased to meet with us this night. In Christ's name we do thank thee. Amen. Picking up reading in verse 10 of Ephesians 6, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God that ye may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Wherefore, take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Above all, taking the shield of faith, wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked, and take the helmet of salvation, and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints. We pick up 
tonight in verse 15. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And you recall that we were given a command. Because we are in a warfare against Satan and his demonic hordes, we are commanded to a one-time linear action, to be continually taking up that completed armor of God, uh, that we would have the miraculous power to lean into, to withstand, to stand against continually in the day of evil. And when we are fully and completely prepared, we stand. Continually. We then saw the command to stand, to abide, to continue, a command for a one-time continued act. And under this imperative to stand, there's a whole series of participles, actions that must be taken prior to carrying out that command to continually stand. And uh, we were to bind about ourselves the the girdle of truth. And uh, we were to sink into the breastplate of righteousness. And now we have the third participle in verse 15. Uh, And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Kai upadisa disemenoi tos podas en etoemasia and Kai being the cumulative conjunction and. He just keeps on rolling on like good Baptists, all one long, continuous, extended sentence. Upa disamenoi here is a nominative plural masculine aorist middle participle. Here is a simple action Paul's readers take concerning themselves prior to that of the main verb, the command to stand in verse uh, 14. And upodisamenoi uh, here is a, it's a compound verb. Upo means under, it's a preposition. Deu is to bind, to tie, to be in bonds. Upodisamenoi uh, is to bind under one's feet to put on shoes, to be shod. Uh, podas here is the, uh, the, it's the direct object of the verb. It's the, the accusative plural masculine noun, the feet. And uh, uh, the feet of the Greek and the Roman soldiers were, were, were uh, protected in two ways. Uh, visualize uh, cricketer, if you would. Uh, and... Uh, uh, but the sandals were tied on with leather thongs and uh, which uh, wrapped around the leg between the ankle and the knee. Uh, and in the soles of those sandals were some form of cleats enabling them to, to stand. The cleats enabled them to, to have a firm footing uphill or downhill or across a slippery uh, blood-soaked battlefield. The other item... They wore was called greaves. Uh, we'd, I guess, call them shin guards, shin pads. And uh, they were bound to the front of the leg between the knee and the, and the ankle. And uh, uh, the top of the foot was covered, uh, as was the shin. And the greaves were made of brass uh, or leather. And uh, uh, our only... Our verb says here that before they went out to the to, to stand, 
to stand and to withstand, to stand and stand against. Uh, they bound on these shoes with the, with the cleats and they, that they might have a firm hold, that they might have a firm footing. And one would, uh, one that would make this, this hold firm in the ground. But notice Paul clarifies how their feet were bound under. He goes on and he says, and being the preposition of agency here, or in or with, and etoamasia is the dative singular uh, feminine noun. It's the indirect object. It, it defines further uh, how these feet are to be bound under. And uh, we would read etoamasia as preparation. It comes from etoamazo, to prepare, to provide, to make ready, uh, which comes from etoamasa, adjusted, ready, or prepared, which comes from etios, which is fitness. Dr. Gill and Zodiades and a whole lot of others point to the Septuagint here where etoamasia is used and means a prepared foundation. And uh, uh, it's interesting to read in the following passages. For example, back in Ezra. In the book of Ezra, chapter 2, and uh, verse 68. Ezra 2, 68, and said, And some of the chief of the fathers, when they came to the house of the Lord, which is at Jerusalem, offered freely, for the house of God to set it up in his place. And uh, there uh, we read, uh, in his place, and the Septuagint translates that uh, on its prepared place. And uh, God's house has a prepared place. Uh, in Ezra 3.3, 3, uh, and they set the altar upon his bases, and their bases... Uh, the Septuagint reads, in his place. Again, a prepared place. Uh, or we find in Psalm chapter 89 and uh, verse 14. Psalm 89 and verse uh, 14. The scripture says here, Justice and judgment are the habitation of thy throne, and uh, their habitation... The Septuagint reads the establishment, and uh, justice and judgment are the foundation of God's throne. And uh, <clears throat> the uh, interestingly, too, there our word habitation in the King James or the Hebrew of it is uh, makon, a fixture, a basis, a foundation. A habitation. It comes from uh, uh, koun to be uh, uh, erect, to stand perpendicular, to establish or fix or prepare. In Daniel chapter 11 and verse 7, he said, But out of a branch of her roots shall one stand up in his estate which shall come with an army and shall enter into the fortress of the king of the north and shall deal against them and shall prevail. And uh, his estate, uh, again the Septuagint says his place, and uh, it is uh, footnoted uh, there, his preparation. Uh, 
here the estate is the uh, 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 the Aramaic of the here of the estate is keem, a pedestal, a stand. Uh, the Hebrew equivalent is uh, uh, cane and uh, uh, and uh, to act upright, and it derives from kune, uh, to be erect, to stand perpendicular, to establish, to fix, to prepare. Uh, in Daniel chapter. 11 and verse 21, uh, the, 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 the text there in, in, in what we're pertaining to is identical in the English, it's identical in the Aramaic, and, in, uh, and it's identical in the Septuagint. And in Daniel 11:21, uh, and in his estate shall stand up a vile person to whom they shall not give honor, uh, the honor of the kingdom, but he shall come in peaceably and obtain the kingdom by flatteries. Uh, but uh, we have here Dan, the beginning of Daniel's discussion of Antiochus Epiphanes, the little horn of Daniel chapter 8, who succeeded Seleucus IV, uh, Philopater, in 176 B.C. Uh, but Antiochus Epiphanes being the Old Testament uh, type of Antichrist. and uh, But he, he has a a foundation unto him. Uh, in uh, Zechariah chapter 5 and verse 11, Zechariah chapter 5 and verse 11, uh, we read there, then, uh, then, uh, and he said unto me to build it in a house in the uh, land of Shinar, and it shall be established and set there upon her own base. And uh, we're talking here, uh, uh, we see the word shall uh, be established. Uh, you know, we, we're in an interesting passage there because sin is to be removed to his own house. And, uh, and it is Shinar where that idolatry uh, had its origins. And uh, uh, there in the ziggurat that, uh, that uh, 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 Nimrod built, and he, and he began the, the system of astrology and the worship of the demons of the heavens. And, uh, and uh, you had here, uh, idolatry had its origins, and it's in Shinar where the, the, ra- the, the organized at that time race of men, because Nimrod was the first king, and he had everybody in subjection unto him just about. And, uh, and uh, it's where that the race of man, the entire race almost, united in rebellion against God. It's Shinar that pictures the spiritual confusion, the spiritual uncleanness, and, and uh, sin will be rooted out of Israel in the millennial reign of Christ when he is, ex- is accepted and he rules. But Shinar or Babylon is destroyed when Christ puts down all rule and authority and righteousness. But here in Zechariah 5.11 shall be established, the Hebrew text there is kun, to be erect, to stand perpendicular, to establish, to prepare, to fix. Uh, the Septuagint reads to prepare in place. Uh, but there is a second usage of the uh, 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 in the verse. The second usage uh, in the Septuagint is on its own base. And uh, and uh, uh, the Aramaic there is uh, mekun, a spot, a base. 
which is the equivalent to the uh, Mekuna, uh, a spot, a pedestal, a base, which is, uh, again, the feminine of a uh, Mekun, a fixture, a foundation, or a basis. And uh, the, the King James reads her own base. And uh, the point being that our word entoemasia in our text is used in a context of a military shoe. And uh, it is uh, part of the armor that we are uh, on before we are to stand and uh, and to, to against the wiles of the devil. We need to have a firm, fixed foundation, and the standing requires the firm, fixed foundation. And that foundation is a solid and a firm, a foundational knowledge of the Word of God, the knowledge of the gospel. We are not able to stand without it. Interestingly then, the text follows and it says, Tau euagelio, it says, Irenes. The believer is enabled to stand firm, to withstand, to stand against the wiles of the devil, to stand unmovable because of his foundation being the gospel of peace. Tau euagelio, the genitive singular neuter article and noun, the good news, the gospel you being good or well and agelu to tell. What gospel? What gospel? There's all kinds of so-called gospel running around today. Very little of it agrees. He goes on, he says, Tes Irenes, the genitive singular feminine article and noun, Irenes being peace. It comes from uh, the stem Iru to join. Our peace is in Christ. In John chapter 16 and uh, verse uh, 33. John 16, 33. These things have I spoken unto you that in me ye might have peace. In the world ye shall have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. He said in John 14, uh, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give unto you, not as the world giveth, give I unto you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. And there is salvation in no other. Uh, Peter, you recall, said in uh, Acts chapter 4 and uh, uh, verse 12, and he said there, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Or we see in Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. Isaiah chapter 26 and verse 3. The scripture says, Thou wilt keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on thee, because he trusteth in thee. Trust ye in the Lord. Forever, for in the Lord Jehovah is everlasting strength, and Jehovah uh, pretty well transliterated, but the word Lord in front of it is Yah. It's the emphatic, vehement uh, uh, contraction of Jehovah, the eternally self-existent one, he is Lord. He is sovereign. He is master. And it is in Christ, it is through Christ that we are justified. Uh, Paul tells us in Romans chapter 4, Romans chapter 4, picking up in uh, verse 21. And he says here, 
that, uh, and being fully persuaded that what he had promised he was able also to perform and therefore it was imputed to him for righteousness, Abram believing God and uh, uh, to him for, for righteousness. Now it is not written for his sake alone uh, that it was imputed to him, but for us also to him it shall be imputed if we believe on him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead who was delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And uh, I find it interesting that in, you know, if, 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 if we spent more time on the Word of God, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be needing so many uh, shrinks and psychologists and psychiatrists, etc. Uh, Paul says over in Colossians, and uh, I believe it's chapter 3 and, uh, and uh, verse 1, and uh, he says there, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. Set your affection on things above. Verse 2. What did he say here in 5 2 of, 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 of Romans? By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Our focus needs to be on things above. Our focus needs to be on the imminency of the return of Christ. Our hope and our focus needs to be on heaven. When we got saved, we ceased really to be a people of this world or a people of another. We're just passing through. We stay and we keep our focus there. I mean, it, uh, I look at the day and age in which we live and uh, I live here and I was born on the other side of the puddle. And I can see the land of my birth going right down the pan by what's going on. And I see a parallel between her and Israel. I see a parallel between her and Judah going under judgment. And uh, to be honest with you, uh, the only comfort that I have is I remember I'm a citizen of a better place and I focus there. And uh, and uh, keeps keeps the depression away. We have we have power with God. We have peace with God because in Christ there's no condemnation. Romans chapter eight and verse one, Paul says, "There's therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit." Precious indeed is that when the adversary comes with all the false accusations, we need to rest in the fact when the enemy stands before us and hurls all of his invective against us, we need to stand firm in the fact that there is no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. The Spirit of God gives peace and he bears witness with the true child of God. 
that he is, uh, that, uh, and, and, and with the, with the spirit of the redeemed. We find in the Romans chapter 8 and verse 14, uh, Paul records, for as many as are led by the spirit of God, they are the sons of God. For we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father, the spirit itself beareth witness with our spirit that we are the children of God and of children and heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. And uh, we, you know, we, we often talk about the fact that the, uh, the spirit of God intercedes, uh, with us and convicts us. But precious truth of the matter is that the spirit of God intercedes both ways. He enables our prayers when we are so beset around that we don't know what to pray. He empowers our prayer life to prevail. And yet he bears witness on behalf of the Father and of the Son through the Word of God. We have peace because our security is bound up in Christ. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 33, Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifieth. He was he that condemneth. It is Christ that died, yea, rather, that is risen again. He was even at the right hand of, the, of, of God who maketh intercession uh, for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things... We are more than conquerors to him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers nor things present nor things to come nor height nor depth nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. I used to tell uh, the folks I had the privilege to pastor in Bedworth that if the, if the adversary should come into the building and tear up the building or send his minions in to tear up the building and, and to take out the congregation or whatever that, uh, or <laughs> as uh, happened not long ago, a preacher got shot in his pulpit. And I've, I've told my people many a time that before my old pewter belt buckle clangs on the floor, I'm at home with Christ. I'm at home with Christ. To be absent from the body to the child of God is to be present with the Lord. We find that our Lord himself, and he, uh, he said in John chapter 10 in the great chapter, the great discourse on the great shepherd, and he said there in John chapter 10, picking up in verse 27, My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall any man pluck them out of my hand. My Father which gave them me is greater than all, and no man is able to pluck them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. We are wrapped up in the hand, nail-pierced hands of the Savior, which are in the hands of the Father, and we're indwelt by the Spirit of God. Can't get any more secure than that. Or we find in, in 1 John chapter 2, 1 John chapter 2, and uh, picking up there in verse 1, uh, he says, There, my little children, these things write unto you, that you sin not. If any man sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. 
And he is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. When our adversary comes to accuse, when our adversary comes to expose, when our adversary comes to vilify and to defame and to slander, Christ, our advocate, stands and he pleads the blood that cleanses from all sin and is there upon the mercy seat. For when the Father looks upon us, he has to look through the blood. And when the accuser comes, he can say, what sin are you talking about? Because he sees it, (laughs) he doesn't see it because he looks through the blood. The gospel of Christ is the very, very miraculous, explosive power of God that sets us free from the shackles of sin and of death unto life eternal. Paul says over in Romans chapter 1 and verse uh, 16, and he says here, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power, there it is, the dynamite of God unto salvation. Everyone that believeth to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith, for it is as it is written, the just shall live by faith. But the gospel message is both at once simple and yet profound. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory of what I preached unto you, unless you believed in vain. For I have delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried and that he rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. Verse 22, or excuse me, verse 20, he says, But now is Christ risen from the dead and become the firstfruits of them that slept. For since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. For as an Adam all die, even so in Christ shall all be made alive. And verse 15, He says there, (coughs) Behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. This corruptible must put on incorruption. This mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall have put on incorruption, this mortal shall have put on immortality. Then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be you steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We have an experiential knowledge, knowing our labor is not in vain in the Lord. We can be at peace with God. Because in Christ, we who were once uh, alienated by sin are now reconciled, set at one again 
by Christ. In Colossians chapter 1 and verse 19, Paul records there, Colossians 1, 19, he says, For it pleased the Father that in it should all fullness dwell, and having made peace through the blood of his cross, by him to reconcile all things unto himself. By him I say, whether there be things in earth or things in heaven, and you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind about wicked works, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and unblameable and unreprovable in his sight. And we are capped. We are capped that way. And, that, and that, by that very same miraculous power uh, that freed us uh, from our bondage to sin. We read in 1 Peter chapter 1, 1 Peter chapter 1 and verse 5, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. Yet there's more there. Thy word, etoamasia, and its verb and adjective. I'd like to show a couple of places where that they are used. Heaven is a prayer, prepared place for a prepared people. The Lord said there in John chapter 14 and uh, verse 2 and 3. John 14, verse 2 and 3. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am there ye may be also. And we see it there twice as prepare. It is a prepared place. He goes to prepare a place. And yet, to be a prepared people, we need to be a separated people. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, 2 Timothy chapter 2, picking up in verse 19, he tells us here, Nevertheless, the foundation of God stand sure, having this seal, the Lord knoweth them that are his, and let every one that nameth the name of Christ depart from iniquity. But in a great house are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and earth, and some to honor and some to dishonor. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. And we see our word there, prepared, in verse 21. Our weapons are not carnal. We've looked at it several times. In uh, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3 to 5, For though we walk in the flesh, we, shall, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God, to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. But our final and complete salvation is ready. We find in Peter, well, 1 Peter 1, again, verse 3 to 5. And he says there, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, which according to his abundant mercy hath begotten us again unto a lively hope by the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the, uh, from the dead to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled, and that fadeth not away, reserved in heaven for you, who are kept by the power of God through faith unto salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. And there it is. It's the word ready. 
It is the word ready. It's incumbent upon us to be ready. In 1 Peter 3.15, Peter says there, but sanctify the Lord God in your hearts and be ready. There it is, right there. Ready, always, to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. We need to be ready. We need to be prepared. And the word there, atoimos. We were saved to serve. Therefore, we're to be ready. We see in Titus chapter 3, Titus chapter 3 and verse 1, put them in mind to be subject to principalities and to powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. Or we see, for example, in Romans chapter 10, verse 15, how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. And there Paul quoted Isaiah chapter 52. He's quoting Isaiah chapter 52 and uh, verse 7 and 8. There the scripture says, how beautiful upon... The mountains are the feet of him that bringeth good tidings, that publisheth peace, that bringeth good tidings of good, that publisheth salvation, that saith unto Zion, Thy God reigneth. Thy watchmen shall lift up the voice with the voice together, shall they sing, for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord shall bring again Zion. Isaiah prophesied of the decree of Cyrus to, to return to Jerusalem, uh, uh, and to Zion that we we read about in Isaiah chapter 44 and Isaiah 44 and uh, uh, verse 28 uh, that saith of Cyrus he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure even saying to Jerusalem thou shalt be built unto the temple thy foundation shall be laid thus saith the Lord to his anointed to Cyrus whose right hand I have holden to subdue nations before him and I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two leaved gates and the gates shall not be shut I will go before thee and make the crooked places straight. I will break in pieces the gates of brass and cut in sunder the bars of iron. And I will give thee the treasures of darkness and the hidden riches of secret places that thou mayest know that I, the Lord, which call thee by thy name, am the God of Israel. For Jacob, my servant's sake, and Israel, mine elect, I even uh, I have even called thee by thy name. I have surnamed thee, though thou hast not known me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. There is no God beside me. I girded thee, thou, thou hast not known me, that they may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none beside me. I am the Lord, and there is none else. We find that decree in 2 Chronicles, excuse me, 2 Chronicles chapter 36, verse 22 and 23. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, 
that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, uh, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, all the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me, and he hath charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Well, who is there among you of all his people? The Lord his God be with him, and let him go up. Or in Ezra chapter 1, picking up in verse 1, he says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled. The Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it also in writing, saying, Let's say, Cyrus, king of Persia, the Lord God of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. He is there among you of all his people. His God be uh, with him and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any such place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help him with silver and with gold and with goods and with beasts and beside the free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. That proclamation had to go into all the 127 provinces of the Medo-Persian Empire. These are the beautiful feet that Paul and Isaiah speak of. The feet of the messengers who carried the message, the good news to captive Jewry uh, in Persia that they were free to return to Jerusalem. But by way of contrast, Isaiah spoke of another pair of feet, a pair of feet that run to evil, a pair of feet that indeed are in the way of evil. In Isaiah 59, picking up in verse 1, Behold, the Lord's hand is not shortened that it cannot save, neither is ear heavy that it cannot hear. But your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you that he will not hear. For your hands are defiled with blood and your fingers with iniquity. Your lips have spoken lies. Your tongue hath muttered perverseness. None calleth for justice nor any pleadeth for truth. They trust in vanity and speak lies. They conceive mischief and bring forth iniquity. They hatch cockatrice eggs and weave the spider's web. He that eateth of their eggs dieth and that which is crushed breaketh out into a viper. Their webs shall not uh, shall not become garments, neither shall they cover themselves with their works. Their works are works of iniquity, and the act of violence is in their hands. Their feet run to evil, and they make haste to shed innocent blood. Their thoughts are thoughts of iniquity. Wasting and destruction are in their paths. The way of peace they know not, and there is no judgment in their goings. They have made them crooked paths. Whosoever goeth therein shall not know peace. Or we might look yet again. The minister of music that David appointed in the tabernacle in Jerusalem. And he continued on into the reign of Solomon. He teaches us a lesson in feet. And he shows us that the feet of the righteous can indeed be diverted. Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel, even to such as are of a clean heart. 
But as for me, my feet were almost gone. My steps had well nigh slipped. For I was envious of the foolish when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. And I, in my heart of hearts, I tend to believe that Asaph looked at the change coming about in Solomon and the brokenheartedness he allowed to ferment into bitterness, allowed to ferment into envy because he prospered even though he was in gross contempt of the Scriptures. And we find in verse 2, he says, Asaph says, he learned from the pen of David. Uh, Psalm 17 Psalm 17, verse 4 and 5, uh, there uh, David uh, wrote, and uh, he said there, concerning the works of men by the word of thy lips, I have kept me from paths of the destroyer. Hold up my goings in thy paths, that my footsteps slip not. David learned. Asaph reads it in the writings of David. But Asaph slipped when he took his eyes off of God and he put them on those uh, in, uh, who were in sin. And uh, we have then the admonition uh, in Proverbs chapter 24 and uh, verse 19. Proverbs chapter 24 and uh, verse 19. And the scriptures tell us there, Fret not thyself because of evil men. Neither be, neither be thou envious at the wicked, for there shall be no reward to the evil man, and the candle of the wicked shall be put out. We ought not be envious at the prosperity of the wicked. We ought not get our eyes off of the things above. We ought not, not take our eyes off of the promises. We ought not take our eyes off of our destiny. Why, why run the sin? when we can flee to the Prince of Peace. In Isaiah chapter 9, we quote it often. Unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government shall be upon his shoulder. His name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government and peace there shall be no end on the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Our feet, our foundation needs to be that gospel of peace. We need to stand upon the new birth. We need to stand upon the regenerating work of the Spirit of God in our hearts and lives and the transformation that takes place. The foundation of our ability to stand is not in our own strength, but in the indwelling Spirit of God who is there by near birth. Submit to you that in the beginning, man was created a tripartite being, body, soul, and spirit. And when Lucifer slithered down the tree and whispered enticing words in Eve's ear and she rebelled and led Adam with her, and Adam transgressed and brought down the race 
man ceased being tripartite and became body and soul only. And he lived to his carnal appetites. It's only in regeneration and only in the new birth that we are restored to that vital living relationship that we were created to walk in. And we are again body, soul, and spirit and able to fellowship with Almighty God. But we need to stand on the foundation of regeneration. We need to stand on the foundation of the gospel. Otherwise, we do not stand. We're like them being built on sinking sand because there is no firm foundation. Father, thank you. The precious truths of your word. Father, thank you that all that we need in this life and in the life to come, all we need to stand, all we need to serve, all we need to be found faithful, thou hast provided. And as we sink into it, in submission unto thee, accepting our security in thee, are we enabled to raise up the weapons that we need to lean into the enemy and be victorious. Other find us faithful till the trumpet of the upper, upper taker sounds and wherever with the Lord. We ask that you'd bless and that Christ to be exalted and all that we think and say and do. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen.